I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I am Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Wellentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about presidential libraries. So grab your presidential papers. And let's get civical. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Wallentowski. And we're recording in the middle of a hurricane. I guess now it's a tropical storm. Oh, but did it get it downgraded? It was a hurricane. Oh, okay. It got downgraded. I yeah, I got she she downgraded. He downgraded. They downgraded. They downgraded before him. they made landfall. I see. I see. Poor Henri. He tried so Poor hard. Henri. Henri, he Poor Henri. Poor Henri. Or so depending on where you are in the United States, Henry with an I. <laughs> <laughs> Touché, but Touché. it is Henri. It is Henri. It's very clearly Henri. Yeah. So yeah, we are we are both hunkered in our apartments while the rain falls. Yep. It's it's one of those dreary little Sundays, but it's I think it's always kind of fun when it's yeah. 
when there's the collective decision to not go outside. It's great. I mean, you know? looking at on the streets of Harlem, there is ne'er a person to be seen. And yeah. it's exactly yeah. how I like it. I love that, yes, we have decided to all stay indoors. Right. Because what I love about New York, because I grew up in Texas where hurricanes, like we're prepared for hurricanes. Mm-hmm. But in New York, we're, we're not. So anytime there's a whiff of a hurricane or a tropical storm, they're like, shut the city down. Yeah, yeah. We cannot go outside. But the opposite of when there's, you know, like a life-threatening blizzard, they're like, well, we'll see if we need to shut down the trains. We'll kind of play it by <laughs> ear. And Texas is like the opposite where hurricanes are like, unless it's a category four we're going to proceed as usual. <laughs> but with if there's, you know, my favorite thing when I was growing up was during the quote unquote winter months, because we really don't have seasons, was when there would be, quote, ice on the roads. Ah! And ice on the roads meant that school was canceled. The city was shut down. We cannot handle ice mm-hmm. on the roads. Well, because if you don't have salt and trucks, yeah. like it just there's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. 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 So, like we said, we're sh- we're shut in. We are we are bound to our rooms, but we have a very exciting episode for today. We do. I'm very excited to do this. Me too. It is a listener request, ooh, ooh, which ooh. is my favorite type of yeah, episode yeah. that we do. And just a reminder to all of our sweet sweet listeners that if there's something you want to learn about. Literally, just let us know. How do you let us know? You can DM us on Instagram. You can DM us on Twitter. You can at us anywhere. You can email us at hello at letsgetcivical.com, which I hope is the right email address I just said. <laughs> I do believe. I do believe. Yep. <laughs> I do believe that's it. Um, and if it's not something super, I don't know, weird, We'll do it. Mm-hmm. And even if it's super weird, we'll probably do we'll it. We'll probably do um, it. We'll, we'll know. get creative and fi- probably find a way to do it. Yeah, there's very little that we won't do. Yeah. So I just want to give a super special shout out to Claire, who suggested this episode. Heck yeah, we Claire. We love you. Ooh, ooh. This is for you. And we're going to talk today about burr, 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 presidential libraries. Yeah. Get your books, honey. Get your books. I mean, really, libraries don't really have books the presidential libraries no. but you get what i say yeah i love it's that like exhibits and stuff they have exhibits and they have papers and letters so many papers so many papers, so many papers. Mm-hmm. yeah so very exciting stuff but before we jump in arden do you want to talk about today's asarsharan and sarsis the sources for today it's basically all coming from the national archives i mean where else could it possibly where else come could from? it possibly come from like, I that's... simply can't think of another place that we could go to. No. That's it. That's... And I love them. Yeah. I love the National Archives. Yep. It is such a great and useful entity. A- entity, <laughs> uh, kind of a library in and of herself, you could say. Yes. But the way that they like laid out the information for the presidential libraries, I was very pleased. And it was super fun to <laughs> read because I was like, ooh, I didn't know. Like, oh just God. so many things that I didn't know. Like that, there's only fifteen. Like considering yeah, how many, yeah, because it's like a modern thing. It's a modern thing, and I was like, how did I not mm-hmm. even know that? Like, of course, there's no yeah. Jefferson Library. 
I mean, it's like Monticello, really. Oh, my God. So one of the things that so obviously back in New York, because there's, you know, Lizzie and I are sitting through the hurricane. But one of the last places that we went on the road trip was so we went to Monticello, but we didn't have enough time. And like, it's a whole process. You like did a drive by. We did a drive by. But you can't even see it from the park from like the visitor center. You got to like take a bus from the visitor Mm. center to Monticello. But. Then we went to um, Poplar Forest, which was his, like, vacation home. Okay, go off, Mm -hmm. TJ. His Hamptons. (laughs) His Hamptons, which, like, in the car, it was, like, 15 minutes away. And you're like, what were you doing? Like, try something. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) A man alone in his vacation Mm -hmm. home? Come on, we know what he was doing. (laughs) But it took him, they said, like, two days by horseback or three days in a carriage to get from Monticello to Poplar Forest. But one of the things, I'm going to tie it back in, don't worry. One of the things they said at Poplar Forest was that, like, he basically destroyed, like, all of his personal letters. Like, anything. Oh, like, my God. Like, anything that he wrote. What, like, threw him in the fireplace mm-hmm, dramatically? Like, he just, like, that he, sounds so like him. Yeah, he just destroyed them. So the tour guide that we had was like, we really don't know a lot about him, like, as a person. Like, what he how he was, his personality, what he liked, what he didn't like. And even like, I think the letters that he like sent his mom were somehow destroyed. I can't remember what the tour guide <laughs> said, but like, you know, but because he wrote like some ungodly amount of letters, like 19,000 letters in his entire life. Yeah. What else is there to do? No. There's no, it's reading and writing. That's it. That's, that's it. That's it. That's it. But it was really cool. I don't know if you've ever been to Monticello. I, again, have not. Mm-mm. But Poplar Forest is really fun. And I got you a little surprise gifty for your birthday. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> so the next time I see you, whenever that may be, I have a little surprise uh, for you. In 2022. In 2022. <laughs> and I see you again when I lay eyes on your actual real face. I'll give you a surprise birthday gifty. That's so exciting. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see it. Um, I love gifts. I love surprise gifts. Yes. I love unsurprised gifts. I am always receiving of gifts. I'm never somebody who's like, oh, you shouldn't have. I'm like, correct. correct. Thank you so much. Yep. Yep. <laughs> thank you for the thank you for the gift. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So yeah. I I'm really I loved learning about the presidential library system because I I didn't even know that there were there's like laws that govern it. Mm-hmm. It's, no a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Like, I had no idea. Have you been to any? No. Wow. <laughs> I know. It's a huge bummer. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I've been to... I've been to Papa Bush's. Because mm. that's at Texas A&M. Yep. And I've been to, obviously, Truman's. Because mm-hmm. that's in Independence, Missouri. Oh, right. You did say that. Yeah. I don't... Th- think i've been to baby bushes but i may have i'll have to think on it yeah i don't ha- i know for sure i've been to papa bushes but i'm not sure about baby bushes and i think that's it for me i think just two potentially three got it but if i if my memory is triggered i will shout it out you let us know you let us know i will i i may there's a there's the tiniest like a one percent chance i've been to lbj's mm-hmm. but i'm not entirely sure okay okay I think, I think there's like in the fun facts, there's a thing about LBJ's library. So maybe that will help trigger your memory. Perfect. I can't wait. Yeah. So let's jump in with 
what are presidential libraries? In case we don't know, it's like a full thing. Yeah. So like Arden said, all coming from the National Archives. So presidential libraries and museums promote understanding of the presidency and the American experience. Mm. Mm-hmm. Let's promote it. Mm-hmm. Let's promote it. I beg of you. The presidential library system is composed of 15 presidential libraries. These facilities are overseen by the Office of Presidential Libraries in the National Archives and Records Administration. So, of course, the first thing we have to do is build an office. Mm-hmm. We need an for office the to whole oversee. Presidential libraries are archives and museums bringing together the documents and artifacts of a president and his administration and presenting them to the public for study and discussion without regard for political considerations or affiliations. I mean, yeah, it's like if you're a Republican or Democrat, you get a presidential library and it's not about you being a Republican or Democrat. It's about what you did. It's not even about you being a narcissist or not. It's not. It's really not. Were you president? You get a library. Then you get to put your letter somewhere. Mm -hmm. Continuing on. Presidential libraries and museums, like their holdings, belong to the American people. A presidential library is a rich resource for a particular president and his administration, as well as for the times in which he lived. The papers and records created by a president and his administration, as well as materials created by a president during his life and career, comprise the core holdings of all presidential libraries. The papers and records document the personal and professional lives of a president, his family, close friends, and business and political associates, revealing the details about White House activities, a president's career, and a president's personal life. So we literally could be looking at something that he signed mm-hmm. as president. Mm-hmm. And then we can also be looking at, like, you know, pictures of him and his partner at a White House function. Yes. You know, yes. for dinner. Yes. Or, like, the kids hanging out on the lawn. Yeah. Or the grandkids hanging the out on the lawn. The dogs running around. All of that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Many presidential papers and records have been lost, destroyed, sold for profit, or ruined by poor storage conditions. We just could not get it together. Drag, National Archives. Drag. In 1939, President, of course, FDR, sought a better alternative. I love it. He was like, I'm sorry, we're going to have to put something in place so we can all remember me correctly. (laughs) Because what we have now... It sucks. Not so... not appropriate. I'm not leaving my stuff in no. your incapable hands. No, 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 no. We need simply <laughs> no, no. a better system. Congress legislated this policy passing the Presidential Libraries Act in 1955. Through archives, museums, and public programs, presidential libraries continue to preserve the documents and artifacts of our presidents, helping us learn about our nation and our democracy. Yes. So good. Yes, National Archives. Yes. Absolutely. It's a very wholesome, it's a wholesome, like, um, objective. It is. It is a very wholesome objective. Yeah. Just like, yep. we're going to preserve these things. This is important to remember. Yeah. And I love the idea of, like, it's also just a way to, like, kind of chron- chronologically see the times evolve. Yeah. Or, like, what was happening? Like, you know, the feel of an LBJ library, like, must be completely different than Obama's, you know? Like, and that's, like, right. super cool. Right. Yeah. And I like that they're, that they did it as, like, a, like, separate, and, and I know we're gonna 
kind of get into probably their their structure and how mm-hmm. they're chosen to be where or whatever. But I do like that they are every president gets their own mm-hmm. very separate place yeah. and it's not like just one kind of smithsonian-esque building yeah because truly it's like there's certain presidents you don't care about you know or you don't like want to see right. or like you do get you do get autonomy over like yeah. all right i'm super interested in i don't know jimmy carter let me go to jimmy carter's presidential library yeah and pay homage yeah um it would be fun to do them in like chronological order yeah Absolutely. I mean, we could go to FDR's. It's in New York. It's in New York. We could. <gasps> okay. Field trip. trip. We both have cars. There's no excuse. There's literally separately. no excuse. Let's do this. <laughs> totally doable. Yeah. So let's talk about where the presidential libraries came from. Let's. The presidential library system formally began in 1939 when President Franklin Delano Roosevelt donated his personal and presidential papers to the federal government. <laughs> Here, take these. Take these. I don't. <laughs> what am I going to do with them? It's don't lose them. I swear to God. Swear to God. <laughs> Eighteen years of material. At the same time, Roosevelt pledged part of his estate at Hyde Park to the United States, and friends of the president formed a nonprofit corporation to raise funds for the construction of the library and museum building. So, like, leave it to FDR to start this. Like, he... Of course. Of course. Of course. He, I mean, sure, why not? A busybody. He put people to work and built things like mm-hmm. the Lincoln Tunnel, and he's starting the presidential library system. Like, yeah. Of course. And, like, I just want to walk around with the type of self-esteem that he had where he was like, people are going to want to come and visit this. Right. They're going to want to see where I lived. They're going to want to see what I did. They're going to want to Because this is 1939. Yeah. This is pre-World War II. This is, I mean, granted, he's already done a lot of the New Deal stuff, but, you know, his stuff, his legacy wasn't solidified yet. No. I would argue. Yeah, I I completely agree. I like, I mean, he got us out of the Great Depression. I guess that he was did. reason And enough. he was like, I'm going to be pretty big. I'm going to be pretty just big. Just you wait. I... You're going to want half of Hyde Park. Trust me. Just me. And he was right. Yep. Roosevelt's decision stemmed from a firm belief that presidential papers are an important part of the national heritage and should be accessible to the public. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, FDR. I agree. He asked the National Archives to take custody of his papers and other historical materials and to administer his library. I love that. He's just like... (laughs) Well, how about, how about you just take these and make a library museum Organize and then you it. run it for me. Just like, how yeah. about that? Yeah. Here, take this and, you know, wh- however you want to sort it is fine. Just let me know when it's done. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Before the advent of the presidential library system, presidents or their heirs often dispersed presidential papers at the end of the administration. It was just like, do you want do you want the signing of the Louisiana purchase? Is that of interest? Okay, you take you, it. Like, you just, you take, just it, Bob. take it. You take it. And then like, okay, Bob, you can take. The, yeah, that's fine. Though many pre-Hoover collections now reside in the Library of Congress, others are split among other libraries, historical societies, and private collections. Sadly, many materials have been lost or deliberately destroyed. I mean, TJ. TJ. <laughs> They're talking Stop about Stop putting your papers in the fireplace. I swear to God. They're talking about you. Oh, my God. So We want to we read them. Poplar Forest was like... It, I mean, the crazy thing about Poplar Forest, too, is that like it was Jefferson's for however long he had it, and then he left it to his 
grandson, I think, when he died. And the grandson sold it. And so for like... Oh, man. I don't know. So then for like 100 some odd years, it changed hands like two or three times. And like different people lived in it. And they like built on top of it and added a room or whatever. And then finally, yeah. like it got bought by some couple and they opened up a foundation. And so it's currently under reconstruction to like put it back to the way TJ had it. Mm-hmm. What a shitty grandson. I know. I was like, who the fuck is that guy? But one of the things that was, I took a picture of it is hysterical, is the plaque from the, I think it's like a national landmark plaque, but the plaque that's like from the government that's like, this place is important, was like mm-hmm. in the fireplace, just like, oh my God, chilling, like next to like a fire, the scene of the crime, the scene of the crime. <laughs> like next to a fire extinguisher like that. And like this like national historic plaque. I was like, this is hysterical. <laughs> They just yeah. were like, we don't have a wall yet. Just put it there. There's not a wall. Let's put it in the fireplace. Let's put it in the fireplace. Love it. Yep. Okay, back to the notes. In 1950, Harry Truman decided that he, too, would build a library to house his presidential papers and help to galvanize congressional action. I will say the Truman Library, I think, is great. It's nice. I, it's It's helpful because... I mean, granted, I haven't been to many presidential libraries, but I think the setup is really nice because it literally like you're walking through and seeing all the papers and all the artifacts and whatever Mm -hmm. um, in the order in which it happened. Yeah. So it's like a timeline, which is very, I mean, who knows if if others are doing this, I think it's a great system. Yeah. But it also just helps you when you do it that way, sort of take in all the shit that he did. Yeah. Like, he did a ton of stuff Mm. as far as, like, major milestones in our nation's history. Right. Some good, some not so good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, yeah, I I enjoyed seeing his library because I I think before I visited, I just kind of didn't understand that he did a lot of stuff. Right. Or, like, wasn't – or was, I guess – thinking of the things that he did not in context of him being president at the time it like never occurred to me that he was the president during all of these things so, oh i see I got it got it got it yeah so great one if you're ever in independence missouri it's a great great library i should have looked that up although to be fair i don't know that we would have had the time but i would love to go yeah you need a few hours yeah. you need a few hours because yeah. it's a big little complex big complex And then in 1955, Congress passed, like Lizzie said before, the Presidential Libraries Act, which established a system of privately erected and federally maintained libraries. The act encouraged other presidents to donate their historical materials to the government and ensured the preservation of presidential papers and their availability to the American people. So I guess this is interesting to think about. I guess in some ways it is voluntary Mm -hmm. to have a presidential library. Like you don't have to have one if you don't want to. Right. I don't think you have to do it. Yeah. I mean, there are amendments to the act. And so I think maybe. Maybe they were like actually. I can't remember (laughs) because I I think it does like I think because, of course, Nixon like changed things and how we think about sure. presidential materials. He sure did. But he still has a presidential library. I think he just was like, you can't talk about Watergate. <laughs> he he does. Or, do, or is Watergate a thing in his in his library? There is a section that talks about Nixon because his library mm-hmm. is governed like under a different law because of Watergate. Sure. sure. Obviously. 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 He was a crook. 
So under this and subsequent acts, more libraries have been established. In each case, funds from private and non-federal public sources provided the funds to build the library. Once completed, the private organization turned over the libraries to the National Archives and Records Administration to operate and maintain. Got it. So basically, National Archives is like, if you build it, we will manage it. Yes. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Until 1978, presidents, scholars, and legal professionals held the view dating back to George Washington that the records created by the president or his staff while in office remained personal property of the president and were his to take with him when he left office. Again, after Nixon, they were like, no. Maybe the people should know. Maybe the people should know. Mm -hmm. The very first presidential libraries were built on this concept, the concept of like the president's papers or his own personal property. National Archives and Resources Administration successfully persuaded presidents to donate their historical materials to the government for housing in a presidential library. The Presidential Records Act of 1978 established that presidential records that document the constitutional, statutory, or ceremonial duties of the president are the property of the United States government. So that's what changed. <laughs> Nixon. <clears throat> yeah, Nixon. Yeah. Thank you, Nixon. So that's what changed. Thank you, they Nixon. were like, before it was like, sure, take take this, take whatever you want. I'll yeah, go give it to you. Yeah, You wrote like, it. But, yeah, whatever. But the government had no like real arm or, or like no real mechanism to be like, thank you. So cute that you think you can just donate to them out of the goodness of your heart like we actually now right. are going to take them their property they're of the government yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and honestly if they're written on paper bought by the united states government like, That's yeah. Yeah. um after the president leaves office the archivist of the united states what a job i want to talk to this person I talk, uh, the or arch- persons or persons right because yeah. i bet it's an office not a person yeah, I mean, be... can you imagine just being one? Just be... Too many papers. <laughs> just, I'm sure there's one... like a head. Yes, <laughs> the head archivist. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so after the president leaves office, the archivist of the United States assumes custody of the records. The act allowed for the continuation of presidential libraries as the repository for presidential records. So the act, this amendment changed how we thought about it, but then basically kept the structure of presidential libraries intact. Mm-hmm. Basically, it just made it a requirement for some documents. The Presidential Libraries Act of 1986, the, our, so this is our second amendment to the original act, also made significant changes to presidential libraries, requiring private endowments linked to the size of the facility. So the government was like, okay, this is so expensive. Yeah. And, you know, you let's, need we, to provide more money. More money, please. More money. More money, please. There. The National Archives and Resources Administration uses these endowments to offset a portion of the maintenance costs for the libraries. So they're still like Fair. chipping in, but the endowments are helping support. Maintain. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. I love that. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. So with that, let's talk about the libraries that currently exist. 
The presidential library system is comprised of 15 presidential libraries documenting Presidents Herbert Hoover through Donald Trump. So I'm going to list off the order in which they were added to the system. Um, so we'll go through all 15 presidential libraries and their dedication dates. Mm. So when they were formally dedicated, which can be when they opened or when they just started the process. I'm not sure which. <laughs> so first off is, of course, the first one. Franklin D. Roosevelt's museum was dedicated on July 4th, okay, on the nose, 1940, <laughs> and it's located in Hyde Park, New York. The second one, you could guess, is President Harry Truman. His library was dedicated on July 6th, 1957, and like I said, it is in Independence, Missouri. The next one that was dedicated is Dwight D. Eisenhower's Presidential Library, which was dedicated on November 11th, 1954. That, oh, oh, so this one's interesting. Yeah, The museum split. was dedicated on November 11th, 1954, and the library wasn't dedicated until May 1st, 1962. So two separate dates for old Dwight. And his presidential library is in Abilene, Kansas. The next one is, obviously this is out of order, but this is when it was dedicated because we're going in the timeline of when they were dedicated. President Herbert Hoover. So he finally got his library late to the game. And his library was dedicated August 10th, 1962. And that one is in West Branch, Iowa. Next up, Lyndon B. Johnson's library was dedicated on May 22nd, 1971, and it's located in Austin, Texas. Next up, John F. Kennedy's library was dedicated October 20th, 1979, and is located in Boston, Massachusetts. Hmm. Right? Is there a link to Boston for JFK? I think, is that where he was from? Oh, yeah. He was born in In Brookline, Brookline, Massachusetts. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. Love it. We'd love to see it. Yep. After JFK was Gerald Ford's presidential library. Um, And like Dwight D. Eisenhower, he has two separate dedication dates. So his library was dedicated on April 27th, 1981. And his museum was dedicated on September 18th, 1981, so only a few months apart. Yeah. And Gerald Ford's library is located in Ann Arbor, Michigan. What? Yeah. Oh, that's so close to my mom's. That's like 45 minutes away. You've got to go. Totally go there. You've got to go. Okay, great. Oh, my God. Is Gerald Ford going to be your first presidential library? Oh, my God. He might be. We'll see. He might be. He might be. Next up. Family of the show, Jimmy Carter's Presidential Library was dedicated on October 1st, 1986, and his is located in Atlanta, Georgia. How have I never been there? Yeah. Oh my God. So much to do. To work. I know. I've been to Atlanta a dozen times. I've never been there. It's a sin. It's a sin. It's a sin against Jimmy. Mm Mm-hmm. Next up, Ronald Reagan. His presidential library was dedicated on November 4th, 1991, and is located in Sima Valley, California. 
mm-hmm. or Simi Valley, Sima, S-I-M-I. Not sure. Next up, we have Papa George H.W. Bush. His presidential library and museum was dedicated on November 6, 1997, mm-hmm. and is located in College Station, Texas, on the campus of A&M University. Ooh. Um, I know that because I've been there. Mm-hmm. Next up, Bill Clinton's presidential library was dedicated on November 18th, 2004. A lot of November dates. Yeah. I'm noticing. That is. November, October. Fairly common. Yeah. So, yeah, November 18th, 2004, and his is located in Little Rock, Arkansas. What? I was just there, too. Ugh. Arden. I know. This is ridiculous. I know. To be fair, we only had lunch in Little Rock, and then we went and saw the high school where they, the, like, the, the when they were trying to desegregate the schools, and there, like, the, the uh, high school yes. with the famous picture. So we did go see that. Yep. But That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Little Rock. The next one that was dedicated, so this is, again, way out of order, was Richard Nixon on, this is crazy that it was this that recent. That is nuts. July 11th, 2007. That's insane. Was when Richard Nixon's library was dedicated. And that one is located in, ooh, Yorba Linda, California. Okay. Weird. Don't know where that is, mm-hmm. but... Apparently was close to Nixon. Next after that, George Baby W. Bush Presidential Library was dedicated on April 25th, 2013. And that is located in Dallas, Texas. Then the last two, so Barack Obama and Donald Trump's presidential libraries have not yet been dedicated because they've not yet been completed. Obviously, Obama's will be sooner um, rather than later, but I'm assuming that COVID is also slowing that process down. Um, But his is going to be located in Illinois because that's where he's from Mm -hmm. uh, or where he lived. And then Donald Trump as I don't know if we mentioned, I don't know if we said this yet, but has not indicated where his will be. My guess will probably be Florida. Who's to say? Not not much on his yet, which is not surprising because this is not necessarily something that, like, is decided immediately upon ending of a presidency. Yeah. I know Brock's probably wasn't announced until one or two years after he left office. So, yeah. Yeah. Those are where all of the current and past ones are from Herbert Hoover onward. Oh, my God. Okay. How do the libraries and museums work? Tell me. Oh, my gosh. Let's talk about it. Sing to me, Paolo. Mm-hmm. So how soon the records of a, former, of a former president become available for research purposes depends on a number of variables. For older presidential libraries, which would be Hoover through Carter, with the exception of Nixon, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Access to the holdings are governed by deeds of gift and the papers are processed according to prioritized plans. So a lot of the like, the libraries and stuff are used a lot by researchers who like want to know what somebody said about a specific moment in time yeah. or like they yeah. want to read some Because like when they leave office, you know, you know what the big moments were in their right. presidency. Right, exactly. You know, it's like, all right, let's do the moon landing papers right. first. Right. You know, those sorts of things. Exactly. 
So, and so, and because the libraries are governed under different laws, that's why the earlier ones are, uh, like those documents and stuff are gifted to the government. Mm-hmm. Plans for the libraries are often developed with input from the former presidents. Major areas of current research interest and the timeline of topics in the national arena are also considered. So like how they want to lay out their libraries, like there is input from the former president, if that former president is still alive, but it mm-hmm. also goes by like timeline and probably like mm-hmm. what you saw at the Truman library, like what makes the most sense? What are people going to know? You know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. What are people like, what are people going to be interested in seeing? Right. You know? Right. So the Nixon presidential materials are governed by the Presidential Recordings and Materials Preservation Act, and material is reviewed reviewed in accordance with established regulations. So as a result of the abuses of governmental power, commonly known as Watergate. 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 And the controversy that occurred over the disposition of the Nixon tapes and papers documenting these abuses, Congress passed the Presidential Recordings and Materials Preservation Act in 1974, which transferred ownership of the presidential historical materials of Richard Nixon to the federal government, deposited them with the National Archives and Records Administration, and specified access to these materials. So, like, I think that, like, they basically were like, we're not fucking around with this anymore like we're taking control of these papers they are ours now they belong to the government and like if you want to see something like you can ask but Mm -hmm. probably Mm -hmm. like i would imagine that those are probably also because they would like maybe not now but at some point in time we're like highly requested that that would be yeah like like even after the well, also that, and they were settled. like getting destroyed, you know. Right, 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 right. That's true. <laughs> like Rose Space Mary is like we can't, we can't <laughs> risk her erasing another tape. <laughs> oh my God, Rose Space Mary. Oh, Rose Space Mary. Well, the, I love her so much. I love her so much. One of the best photos I've ever seen. Just yeah, like, she's a hero of the show. Oh, so I erased great. it using my big toe <laughs> and my pinky finger. <laughs> It was like this. Do you not see how this is possible? Yeah. Oh, my God. Totally natural position for one to secretary in. Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> so sorry. So sorry. 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 Oh, God. Rose Space Mary. Or Rose Space Mary. <sighs> Love her. Love her. Love her. I hope that I hope the entrance to the Nixon Library is just like a big blown up picture of that image. Like... If they don't have that picture in the Nixon Library, there's no point Mm-mm. to the Nixon Library. No, agreed. Agreed. We are erasing her story. Rose Space Mary needs to be featured. For newer libraries, which would be Reagan and Forward, the holdings are governed by the Presidential Records Act of 1978, which we talked about before. Under that act, records are exempt from public release for five years at the end of a presidential administration. During this five-year period, archivists begin processing and prepping materials for release to researchers. After the end of the five-year period, all presidential records become subject to the Freedom of Information Act. So you can you can uh, send a FOIA request to them. These requests must be made in writing and cite the Freedom of Information Act and then be submitted to the appropriate library by email, by mail, email, fax, or in person. Love. Mm-hmm. 
The libraries whose presidential holdings are governed by the Presidential Records Act work to respond to FOIA requests from the general public. They process records and make them publicly available not only to requesters, but also to anyone interested in conducting research on the particular topics covered by the FOIA request. Great. They want the people to know. They want the people to know. They want them to be informed. They want the people to know. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to talk about funding and how the location is decided and like mm, who mm-hmm. gets to decide what they look like. Mm-hmm. Because some are ugly, some are not. <laughs> not to put it too finely. So funding for a presidential library is constructed with private and non-federal funds donated to nonprofit organizations established usually for the express purpose of building a presidential library and supporting its programs. So you better hope that you're a well-liked president because sure. if you're not... That's the only way to get your funding. Yeah. Some libraries have also received construction and development funding from state and or local governments. The library is then transferred to the federal government and operated and maintained by the National Archives and Resources Administration through its congressionally appropriated operating budget. So they get money from the government every year when Congress writes the budget. Some staff and programs at the presidential libraries are paid for with funds from associated private foundations, which are organized to fund the construction of the library. So sometimes that money just keeps going and they keep funding Mm -hmm. other things once the library is built. These private foundations also provide continuing support for library programs and special events, such as conferences and exhibitions. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so the location, how do you decide where it goes? How do you decide? How location, you decide? location, location. Mm-hmm. The president, with advice from the archivist of the United States, makes the decision about the location of his presidential library. In consultation with his friends, family, and associates, he usually selects from a series of proposals submitted by interested communities or universities. Yeah, it's like common to have it attached to a university. Yeah. You see that a that, bit. That makes sense. I think LBJ's is at UT. Is that that makes sense. Is that University Which of is Tennessee? where it... University of Texas. Oh, Texas. In Austin. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. And then Bush, Papa Bush is at A&M. Mm, okay. Truman is not in a university. But that's like, a, that's a pretty common thing to see it like somehow associated with the college i remember at the end of obama there was like oh bush is at i think sorry um oh it's at oh it's at smu that's right hmm which is a college in texas in dallas got it southern methodist university sorry i just remembered that 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 was this thing because i remember when it was getting built i haven't been but i remember when it was decided that it would be there I wonder if Ford's then is at like University of Michigan. It, I'm almost certain that it is. Oh yeah, located in University of Michigan North Campus. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mystery solved. Well, that's why at the end of Obama's administration there, because that was I was still at, um, or I was just leaving Columbia, but there was like a lot of chatter about if it was going to be there, because that's where he went. Oh, at Columbia. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. I think it's also just like. I think he just spent so much time. I mean, he w- he was a senator from Chicago or um, Illinois. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it yeah. makes sense that it's in Chicago. It totally makes sense. It makes but more sense his, than being in Columbia. I think his is uh, is going to be at the Chicago Public Library. I don't think his is associated 
with a college. Mm, that makes sense. I may be wrong. Yeah, and Bill Clinton's at the University of Arkansas. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, it's bit it's it's pretty pretty normal. Cool. So common, but not um required. Not required. Not required. Mm-hmm. Presidents have often acknowledged their origins by placing their libraries in their hometowns. Mm-hmm. However, in some cases, presidents place their libraries on or near university campus. Oh, this is exactly what like you just said. Just, literally what I just researched, literally but it was right here in the notes. <laughs> there you go. So there, I was like, I did know that. How did I know that? Oh, duh. Yeah, yeah. Dumb, dumb. It's in the notes. And the design, the former president or his representatives choose the architects or an architectural firm or design team for the building of a presidential library and for the development and fabrication of museum exhibits. The president and his representatives are solely responsible for the choice of final location for the library building and for the construction costs. So they like. They have a lot of input. They have a lot, a lot of input. Yeah. 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 They really just they they basically get to do kind of like whatever, whatever they, they want. want within yeah. reason and within like funding and getting approval. But like the government doesn't swoop in until it's built. Yeah. And, and then like they turn ready it over. to go. Yeah. They're just accumulating the papers yeah. and stuff. Yeah. We love to see it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's end on what you could call my favorite thing in the world. <gasps> fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts about presidential libraries. Yeah. yeah. As of September 30th, 2016, approximately 238,000 cubic feet, or 88%, of the nearly 270,000 cubic feet of textual and non-textual holdings in presidential libraries have been processed. So they're they're close to being finished, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, which is great. Mm-hmm. The percentage of materials processed at the individual libraries tend to follow a chronological trend. So the older libraries, which you could consider Hoover, Roosevelt, Truman, etc., have each processed more than 90% of their holdings. The middle libraries have processed more than half of their holdings for public access. And the most recent libraries, which we're considering from Reagan onward, have processed less than 50% of their holdings. So holdings meaning like their stuff. Their materials, yeah. Their materials, their paper, the documents, etc. But like, So we're almost done we're almost with done Hoover, like, Roosevelt, and Truman. Yeah, but like, what do you think Hoover has that like, we don't know about? Oh, God knows. Like, like a grocery who, list? Like a letter to, to his wife. Yeah. Being like, ugh, I'm, I'm responsible for the Great Depression. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> It also, me, probably the Hoover Dam. All right. The Hoovervilles, that thing, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. In terms of building size, this is no surprise. The largest library is the Lyndon B. Johnson Presidential Library, and it is 134,695 square feet. I feel like LBJ would have the biggest library. He would have. The, if he made you He's listen all about to him size. while he peed, he, yes, mm-hmm. all about the size. It's followed closely by the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library and Museum, which is 134,293 square feet. So LBJ is only 400 square feet more than JFK's. Which was basically the size of my old studio apartment. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then the smallest, oh my God, it's 
sad. The smallest library in size is the Herbert Hoover Presidential Library. It's only 47,169 square feet in comparison to the 134,000 square feet that LBJ and JFK have. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, a tenth of the size. That's so it, not math, but you know what I mean. It's so itty bitty. Hmm. Poor Herbert. Poor Hoobs. Poor Herbert. Nobody took you seriously. No. Gosh, darn it. But yeah, but that's, that's the end of the fun facts. Yay. And that's the end of our presidential library episode. I so love, much fun. So much fun. I love this one. So much knowledge. Yeah, I mean, it will certainly be my goal to visit all of the acting ones. I think an easy one for us to do is obviously yeah. um, FDRs. Yeah. I mean, easy peasy lemon squeezy. Totally. And then the next easy one, I guess, for me would probably be Baby Bush. Yeah, yeah. You Texas. could do you could do the Texas ones. I could definitely do Fords. Yeah. yeah. You could yeah. definitely do Fords. And then I could probably do Dwight D. Eisenhower because my parents live in Missouri and Kansas isn't that far. So. Yeah. Okay, we have, we, we all have, have our tasks. We have a plan. We have a plan. Mm-hmm. We have a plan. Mm-hmm. And we hope you, our sweet, sweet listeners, also have a plan and visit your local presidential libraries. If you've been to a presidential library before and you loved it or hated it, let us know because I want all the hot goss on where to go. And yes. Also, where not to go, mm-hmm. which ones we can skip. But in the meantime, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us. You can review us. You can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.